You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. Today, we're going all the way to America. I'm going to be chatting with Terry Britt, and we're going to be talking all about the worthiness quotient and leading a life you love. Welcome, Terry. Oh, thank you. And I am so excited excited to be talking to my New Zealand friends. I was just telling you right before we went on air that Miss New Zealand became Miss Universe uh, back in 83. And her name is Lorraine Downs. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know who she is. And we are good friends. I don't talk to her a lot, but I'm dying to come to New Zealand. One of these days I will get there because I want to see her and I want to see your beautiful country. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Yes, of course, many of us will know that name. And we're excited to dive in to today's topic. For those of you that haven't heard of Terry before, um, Terry is actually former Miss USA, Terry Britt. She's a love expert, an energetic healer, and change agent for women and their families. She's the founder of Women Leaders of Love Global Community and is the host of the Terry Britt's Leading with Love radio show. I love that I'm talking to another radio host today. Terry is the author of several books, including her award-winning one, The Enlightened Mom, A Mother's Guide for Bringing Peace, Love, and Light to Your Family's Life, which won Best Spiritual Book of the Year and both and at both the New York and the San Francisco Book Festivals. Well, congratulations, Terry. That's amazing. Terry's mission is to guide women off the hamster wheel of competition, stress, and emotional chaos, helping them create lives they love so their families can watch them learn. For more info, terrybritt.com. Terry, I'm so excited on a number of levels to dive into this with you. Um, on my show, it's all about motivation and empowerment. Um, and I don't know if you know this, and some of my audience does, I started off as a parenting author. So anything that helps oh. mothers, you know, mothers and fathers, you know, connect and honor and parent their children, you know, in, in an empowered way is amazing for me. So I love that you wrote that book. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. I didn't know that about you. I'd done a little bit of research, but I guess I missed that part. So congratulations for helping so many. That's awesome. Well, you too. Hey, um, before we dive into the good stuff, I would love it if you could paint us a little picture on how life has been for you specifically over the past three years. I, I, I know you're in America. I don't know geographically where you are. How have things been? <laughs> Fabulous. I have to tell you, life is really, really good. Other than my two dogs dying in the last year, that was the saddest thing. So there was grief there. But over the last, oh, I don't know how many years, my husband and I have really been practicing prosperity consciousness, really being open and receptive to receiving love. So we have more to give, being more intimate with each other. The pandemic was, this sounds awful, but it was amazing for us. Uh, we have a, a coffee roasting company here in the mountains of Georgia, outside of Atlanta, and when everything shut down, it became playtime for us. We were hiking every day. We were cooking together. And I don't like to cook, but he does. So I'd just be his little sous chef, right? And I don't know, it was just magical. And then when we opened back up, our business has continually exploded. It has been just crazy. And I really, truly believe it's because we're practicing every single day what does love look like? What does 
loving myself look like? What does aligning with the way I was created look like? You know, getting off of the hamster wheel. So we're, we're in, and let, let me tell you, it's been a little harder for him to learn as he'll tell you, he'll, he'll say, Terry, I'm not you. This doesn't come easy for me. It doesn't come easy for me either. It's just, I've been practicing a lot longer than him of, you know, really owning my worth and loving myself, but it's been so much fun. I can't even tell you how much fun it is. And we just, this is what happened back in, oh, it was November. It was the week before my birthday. I told him, I said, listen, you're working still really hard, which is great. And I have a lot more balance in my life than he does. He's a, He loves to work. Um, I don't. I want to have balance. But he also plays pickleball. And I said, I am really craving some adventure time with you. He had had a Harley when we first got together. You know, I'd be sitting on the back of his motorcycle and kissing on his neck and rubbing on his arms. It was like foreplay. And uh, <laughs> and then he sold his motorcycle. We moved to the mountains of Georgia and he sold his motorcycle. So all of a sudden we were missing the adventure. So I told him, I said, I would really love to have that adventure with you again. Well, two days later, he came back and he says, what do you think about buying an Airstream, which is a trailer? I don't know if you have them in New Zealand, but it's a really cool looking trailer. It's vintage. It's kind of looks like a silver bullet. So we ended up purchasing one. It took us months to get it in. And we took our first camping trip last week. And it was amazing. We rode bikes every day, went to breakfast every morning and just hung out by the lake. And I mean, it's I it's really, really good. I love that. You know, um, people getting caravans is definitely a thing here. And I would say since COVID, yeah, a lot of people have got caravans and wanting to just travel domestically more, like explore their own backyard type thing. I'm pro- We probably have those silver bullets. What was the name of it again? It's called an Airstream trailer. And mm. um, it's a 25 foot, ours <laughs> is a globe trotter. if anybody's into Airstreams. I don't know if they're big over there. They're, 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 they're a high-end trailer. And, but they're very unique looking. Okay. This is what, what I said to him when he first said, what do you think about an Airstream? And I said, well, it kind of reminds me of a suppository and, you know, you know, as a kid, they have the little silver suppositories, you know, like if you had a stomach ache or something and they're wrapped in silver, that's what it reminded me of. And uh, he was like, okay, I was not expecting that answer. <laughs> so, but we went to see them and I fell in love with it because it's so spacious and it's got all the little, you know, extras like beautiful lighting and stereo surround sound. It was just really, really nice. So we were glamping. I would call it glamping. I love it. Well, that, you know, it is, it's leading, like you say, leading a life you love. And I think so often we get so caught up in just doing the, doing the do, you know, doing the work and going to work and coming home and making the dinner that sometimes we don't stop to ask, you know, how can we have more love in our life? So, I mean, how did you, have you always been like that? Like super into making (laughs) things lovely or, or did you, did you have a little bit of a wake up call? Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I had anger issues. I was that overachiever, hamster wheel, always pushing, always shoving and, and was miserable. I, I didn't understand it back then. This was all through school. And, and I just, you know, I felt like, well, I have to win love and approval. I have to prove my worth. That's just what I believed. I wanted to be the best like my dad so I did that. And then when I didn't feel loved, especially like my by my boyfriend, I'd lash out. I actually tried to put my fist in his kitchen window. 
in high in college. So I was a little neurotic. So no, I have not always been like this. And um, it was interesting because that that craziness it it made me feel bad about myself. It made me feel like I was this bad person because I could wear my happy face mask. And then all of a sudden I would lash out. I'm a Scorpio with that scorpion tail and I'd come out mm. with that tail. So I had all this judgment on myself. I mean, here I was, you know, second at cl- in my class in school, president of this, president of that. And then I would have this other side of me. So there was on the outside, it looked all nice. On the inside, it felt very dark, very very sad, very uh, filled with shame. Okay. Uh, I followed my boyfriend to college that didn't have a broadcasting department. And yet I wanted to get into broadcasting because I was so dysfunctional that I believed that I had to give up myself in relationships to be able to receive love in return. It was again, trying to be the best, trying to be the best girlfriend, trying to be the best student. That's when I tried to beat up my boyfriend and put my fist in his kitchen window. And the big shift came for me and it was just, it was a big shift because it planted a seed, but the bigger shift came much later, but it was in my second semester of my sophomore year. I'm talking to a friend on the phone about how I hate school. I was at home for the weekend. I was getting ready to go back for the, you know, that afternoon. He goes, I said, I don't want to go. He said, so don't go. And I said, well, I have to, <laughs> he said, says who? And Natalie, it was so weird. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had an intuitive hit flood over you. I'd never had this experience before, but in that moment, I felt it. Something just washed over me. I got really grounded in my body, very solid. And I was like, says who? I have to leave school. And I did. I left school everything started flowing. My apartment rented without any effort. I moved home, got a job. And within just a couple of months, I decided on a whim, again, an intuitive whim to enter Miss Arkansas because I was looking for a break to get out of Arkansas, which is a small town in you know, the South. So I go into Miss Arkansas and I win. <laughs> Two weeks later, I'm shipped to Miss USA where in the States, most girls have months and months and months to prepare. I had two weeks. Well, then I go to Miss USA and in the top 12, and you have to understand this back then, it's not as big now, I don't think, but back then it had millions of viewers. And I get on stage where Bob Barker, the host asked me, what do you do in Cabot, Arkansas on the Saturday night population, 4,000 people. And I said, in my very Southern draw, well, Bob, in the winter, we stay at home, but in the summer, we go down to the tasty freeze, sit on the back of a truck. My friend plays the banjo and the guys, well, they drink a little beer and dip a little skull. It's a real good time. And I don't even know if you know what skull is, but it's no. dipping tobacco, <laughs> <laughs> but you're going to get the whole vision, you know, the, the, get, get the uh, banjo playing, sitting on the back of a truck, you know, and I won. I won with that answer, which was completely breaking the mold of Miss USA. I had short, short brown hair. I mean, it was crazy, right? I mean, it was just so different. So what was interesting is in that moment of winning, I'm thinking, I won. And then the next moment I'm thinking, is this it? Is this it? And then my next thought was guilt. Because I'm looking at my boyfriend who's sitting out in the audience and I'm thinking I've just screwed up his life because my dysfunction has kicked in again. I know I'm about to be sent to New York. He's being left behind in Arkansas. So I think I've ruined his life. So much so that that night I sit 
in the hotel room and contemplate giving the crown back. Okay. I won the crown, but I did not claim it. I didn't own it. And what was really interesting is that by the end of that year, I thankfully I kept the crown and I went on with my title. But by the end of the year, I'd given my money to my dad to invest. He had lost all of it. Every bit of it was gone. I had to sell my prizes to pay the, the tax in the United States. So I had at the end about $10,000 that I had been able to scrape up out of 150000 in cash and prizes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't spend a penny because everything was paid for. So I had to kind of look at my life and go, okay, now what? Well, I ended up moving to Los Angeles and got right back on the hamster wheel. But something kind of set with me from Miss USA. And it didn't take hold for a very long time. But it was this seed that was planted that said, when you listen to your heart and stand in your truth, miracles show up. I listened to my heart, got off of the hamster wheel and left school, went totally against the grain of what society says to do. I stood in my truth talking about drinking beer and dipping skull in the back of a pickup truck because that is not your typical pageant girl. (laughs) And then a miracle showed up. Right. But it would, I, I didn't get it. I mean, I, I had a feeling, but it wasn't integrated. It was just a feeling. And so I be, I got back on that hamster wheel again. And when I really noticed it, I noticed it some in television, but when I really noticed it is when I became a mom and a wife, because I found myself, oh, let me do everything right for my family. Let me win your love, which we mamas do. You know that as a, if you've been writing as a parenting expert, you know that, right? We, we want so badly for our family to feel loved. Let me do it right for you. But what we're really doing is coming from lack. We're coming from a state of, I want you to feel more loved than I have felt. So we deny ourselves and we get stressed out. We, if you're like me, you wear your happy face mask and then you blow up and you can't stand yourself as a mother. Now you're buried buried in mom guilt. And I knew I needed a shift. I knew that I didn't want to do this to my family. So I decided to heal. And with that decision, my whole world changed. I got into energy school and intuitive healing and started learning who I am and loving myself and committed to loving myself unconditionally and quit performing Mm. for my family. And it was those powerful words. It's so interesting, isn't it? The powerful words that that person said to you, the says who, and it's so good when something like that shakes us and makes us think, yeah, I am living in what I call the should zone where you're doing what you should do because you said you would do, but you had that full body experience and you followed it, which is amazing. So I know you work with tons of women and some women listening will be um, moms and some won't. And of course, the whole what is a woman thing. We've had a huge, we've had a huge time, especially the past six months as women. But what I'd love to know from you, Terry, is so women, you say that women struggle with feeling seen, heard and valued. um, And they have a lot of women, not all of them, have the not enough feeling. um, you talk about worthiness quotients. Can you explain what does that mean? What is a worthiness quotient? Quotient. Well, your worthiness quotient is based in your vibration. And it's 
how open you are to receiving love, nurturing, support, abundance from the universe simply for being you. I just explained how, as a mother, I was denying myself. I was performing for my family. I wasn't being me. I wasn't expressing my wants, desires, and dreams. So I became resentful of my my husband. I didn't like who I was as a mom. I didn't like that I would be, you know, fine one minute and then screaming the next. I didn't like those things about me. I knew that. I I wasn't being the loving parent I wanted to be. And in that judgment, I was holding shame and guilt. Okay, shame and guilt have been calibrated as the two lowest vibrations you can hold. And whatever vibration you put out is what you're going to attract to you. So I'm holding these vibrations of, okay, I've got to do more. I've got to give more to my family. So I'm treating myself as if I am not worthy of being seen, heard, and valued. I- I'm treating myself, not anyone else. I'm doing it to myself. So I'm holding a low worthiness quotient. And in essence, what I'm doing is punishing myself. As I perform for everyone, I am punishing myself and I am in poverty consciousness. Well, if you're projecting that kind of energy, that's what you bring back to you. So what I began to realize is that I was setting this example for my family. I was ex- I was setting an example that self-denial equals love, but really, in essence, what I was showing them was that self-denial equals pain and punishment, and that is not what I wanted to send to my family. So my whole mission became about not only helping other women own their worth to claim their crowns, but for me to do that, for my Life mission was for me to say yes to who I am, to loving myself, to raising my worthiness quotient, because as you love yourself, you move into alignment with the way you were created as you treat yourself as if you're worthy of being seen, heard, and valued. And the way that showed up for me, I was meditating on unconditional love. I committed to unconditionally loving myself. And as I committed to that, I'm meditating one day on unconditional love when all of a sudden little Terry, the little five-year-old inside of me shows up. I'd never, I'd never done any inner child work. And I am seeing her and I'm sobbing. I'm just boohooing and boohooing and boohooing and realizing that I've never loved her. I've never acknowledged her. I've never treated her as if she matters. I've always been sticking her in the corner. And then, and then I hear in my ear very clearly, get up and write this. This is the beginning of your book. That was the beginning of my first book, Message Sent. And Message Sent was where I started paying attention to how I was reacting to my outer world. And instead of feeling like a victim and blaming everyone else for my unhappiness because they weren't filling me up with love, because remember, I was always performing because I wanted really to be loved and returned. I made it my mission to stop that that I was going to love myself. I was going to take ownership. So every time I reacted, I'd give thanks for the gift. If I was reacting to my husband because he wasn't listening to me, instead of like I wanted to do in the past, where I'd want to punch him out, instead I would say, thank you. Thank you for the gift. And I would make it my mission to go within, talk to little Terry, ask her, what's hurting? What is the belief that's causing you to suffer? And what do you need from me to feel loved? 
And as I acted on those messages, releasing the beliefs, because I know that if a belief is causing me to suffer, it's not the truth. And then as I acted upon the messages, I became the divine mother to that little girl inside of me. And I started feeling seen, heard, and valued. So my worthiness quotient started rising, right? And as it started rising, I now was open and receptive to matching energy that showed up as love, that showed up as nurturing, better relationships, being seen, being heard, being valued in every area of my life. So women, we keep denying ourselves because this is what we've been programmed to do. And what we're in essence is running a low worthiness question. Now, here's the interesting thing. You know how over the last so many years we've been hearing, put your mask on, like you're on an airplane, put your mask on. First. You know, I mm-hmm. heard that saying. Yeah, yeah, they say put your mask on first. On first. Yes, first. Yes. Thank you. Here's the problem. Women are starting to do more of that, but there's a conundrum. They're starting to try to love themselves, but deep inside, there are still these vibrations of shame and guilt that no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. No, 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 you're wrong. And and a big thing that I saw for myself is I had a lot of judgment on myself because of those times when I had suppressed myself, I had denied myself, and then I would lash out. I judged myself as being mean. So now... I'm really running a very, very low vibration of shame and guilt. I had to bring compassion to that pain and say, listen, I know my heart. I would have never done anything intentionally to hurt anyone. When I lashed out, I was hurting. That little girl inside of me was in pain. And so by bringing that compassion to her, my worthiness quotient went even higher. And what was so interesting is the more I did that, then if I did make a mistake, if I did screw up, if I did have a moment because I was holding compassion for myself, then compassion was mirrored back to me. So over this time, what I've been understanding is that your worthiness quotient is key to everything in your life. If I remember um, you said I had a radio show. My radio show is now done because I felt called to let it go. It was called Leading with Love, but um, Dr. Joe Vitale was on it one time. He was in The Secret, and he, he was talking about money and financial abundance. He was saying that there's three things about money, and he said the first one is you got to clean up your beliefs around money, like money's hard or money doesn't grow on trees. you got to clean up those things, and he says, and then you have to clean up your worthiness. The next thing you have to do is clean up the feelings about being bad. Well, to me, bad goes into worthiness because if you feel bad about yourself, you're not going to feel worthy. And I remember him talking about that on the show. And I had already started working on my worthiness quotient digital program and my, you know, my quiz and all this different stuff I've been creating. But hearing him say that made me really start taking a look at how our states of worthiness, and we can have different states. Like I can have a great state of worthiness in my relationship with my partner, but at work, I suppress myself, right? So we have different levels that we can come in. And then of course they all mesh together. We want to be in a high state of worthiness in every area of our lives, whether it's health, taking care of ourselves, all the different aspects. It's really important that we love ourselves in every way 
and clean up the crap that's in our minds that says, no, you're not worthy so that you can manifest whatever it is you're wanting, right? In, in whatever way. You asked me about my life. I think that you know, that consistency early. is so key because I think men get it too, but it's almost the opposite. Sometimes they might feel worthy and appreciated and respected at work. And then yep. maybe they come through the kitchen door, you know, they come through the door after a, a long day and they don't get that same, they don't have this consistent worthiness quotient in their, in their work lives. Does that, right. does that absolutely. resonate? I, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting for women is we have been taught so long to suppress ourselves, believing this is love, right? That, and men do it too, but it's in a different way. I mean, we just shut ourselves down. And then we wonder why women are so mean to each other. Mm. We're so competitive with each other. I mean, we have a lot of female workers at our job and my husband will, at, our, at our coffee house and he'll just say, oh, these women and their emotions. He says, men are not like this. And he's right. Because the women, they feel they're suppressed, even though in our company, we're like, you have a voice, say what you want. We value you. I mean, we're all about empowerment in our company. People love working for us, but they're still dealing with their own crap. Right. And then you can see not so much there, but I see the competitiveness amongst women, because if we are in lack and we're suppressing ourselves and you know, telling ourselves that, no, I can't have this, you know, I've got to be a certain way. I've got to be good. I've got to do it right. When we're doing that, we're in lack. So what we do is if we see someone who's not in lack, who's thriving, we want to, women want to cut them down. We don't look at them and go, wow, what an example she's being. So my mission is to help women really raise their worthiness quotients so that one, that lack and division can end because I believe what we see in our world, the lack and division stems from that. It stems from, well, you look at our country right now, there's so much division and people are in survival mode. And the survival comes from a low worthiness quotient. When we are in a high worthiness quotient, we are no longer in poverty consciousness, we are in prosperity consciousness. And so I believe that we women have a, an, an amazing opportunity if we will commit to loving ourselves into healing mm. and raising our worthiness quotients, that we have this amazing opportunity to change the culture of our planet because we are the ones, you think of the mamas of the world, right? When mama's denying herself, she thinks this is love, but then everybody learns, no, you got, you can't receive love. You can't receive abundance. You're being bad if you do, even though moms are giving their kids everything, right? They're doing everything for their kids, their partners, they're doing everything, but the child will internalize mom's pain. Yeah. I was going to say, because they're doing, they're giving everything and that's the problem. Well, it is the problem. They're giving everything and 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 leaving nothing for themselves. When I wrote my book, it's called, if only they told me all the things you wish you'd been told from pregnancy to starting school. (laughs) And, um, and our other tagline was babies, sex, and a cup of tea. Anyway, myself and my co-author, she's British. And it was quite funny. It was quite a funny book. Um, and we, we covered all the things, um, 
But, you know, one of the things I talk about is how we put our, especially young mothers, meaning mothers, when you first have young children, it doesn't matter what age you are, but when you have young children, we tend to put ourselves at the bottom of the heap. And then I go under the dog, literally in terms of priority, like we would prioritize taking care of the dog rather than taking care of ourselves, not intentionally. It's just kind of what we do. And then as we get older, as the children get older, we kind of are like, suddenly we're claiming, you know, our, our, like you would say, claiming our crown a little bit more. Um, but how can we do that sooner? How can we not have to go through that stage of putting ourselves at the bottom of the heap? Like, do you have some technique or some tips for my audience today around how can we claim our crown, whether we're a mom or a, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, but how can we claim our crown and not put ourselves low priority or no, not rate ourselves so low on this worthiness quotient? So the first thing is, is you have to redefine love mm. because love is not self-denial. As I said earlier, love is, is love. It's loving yourself. It's giving yourself a voice. It's setting boundaries. It's respecting yourself. It's putting your needs at the top of the chain. Um, self-denial is pain and punishment. So we don't want to do that, right? So you have to start recognizing, oh, this is punishment. This is love. I love to do this thing where you can do an exercise where you can put uh, at the top of the column column is pain and punishment. And then what would love do? A new definition of love. And you go down and say pain and punishment. Where are you suppressing yourself? Where are you not giving yourself a voice? Are you not asking for that raise? Have you been feeling the sense that you needed to open your own business, but you keep staying safe and not taking that step? Okay. So that's pain and punishment. And then when you look at what would love do, if I was to redefine love and really honor and love the way I was created, what would that look like? And you write that down and then you take action. Okay. Because we can know these things. We might have a sense inside of us, but if we don't take action, we're continuing the pain and punishment. So that's the first thing is that I would do is really mm-hmm. get into awareness of this is pain and punishment. I'm choosing poverty consciousness. This is redefining love. And this is prosperity consciousness. So you want to choose prosperity consciousness because that puts you in a high worthiness quotient. The next thing you want to do is become the divine parent, whether you're a man or a woman to of that little kid inside of you. That kid is the one who reacts that one, that kid is the one who is in fear. That kid is the one who doesn't feel worthy. So as an adult, Hopefully you can get into this mindset that we make up the body of God. We are all part of this beautiful, all loving energy. And so therefore we are worthy, but it is that inner child who's wounded, who says, no, I'm not some, this is scary. I want to be safe. Okay. So we play small. So our goal as the divine parent is to help that child feel safe. So for me, that's why when I'm reacting, I, I go into gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this opportunity to to heal. And then I scoop up little Terry and I imagine her as a little five-year-old and I and I say, what's hurting? And I let her feelings come to the surface. I let everything come up and I let their feelings take me back to the earliest memory of whatever this feeling is being triggered, right? And then I get to that point and I'll say, you know, what was happening? And what was the belief you took on? Because children make decisions that are not the truth. They're making it from a child's brain. So we make decisions and beliefs that then we run our whole lives with. So I become that divine parent and I say, you know, what is the belief? And I release it. And then I ask, what is my truth? What is my truth? And as I give myself permission 
to stand in that truth, whatever it might be. Maybe, for instance, I haven't been asking for what I needed in my relationship, okay? I was raised to believe that you can't ask. I didn't see my parents ask. They just did. They were resentful. So now I'm being resentful. So that's the old definition of love, but it's really pain and punishment. So the new definition of love would be, I'm going to ask for some support from my partner. I'm going to say, would you mind taking out the trash? I'd really love some support. I'm feeling overwhelmed and tired. Would you mind helping? And if he says no, then I'm like, oh, okay, you're marrying to me some kind of belief that is inside of me because you're saying, no, if this is in my heart, this is my truth. So I'm going to go within and ask little Terry, what is he marrying to you? And you let those feelings come up and you go back at childhood and you see that every time you tried to talk to your dad, he put up a newspaper. What's the belief you took on? I can't be heard. So you clear that out and you say, okay, how can I hear you? How can I love you? And as the more you start hearing yourself and you have more conversations, then the energy begins to shift. Sometimes it can shift just like that. So those are the things that I would say are the key is redefining love, recognizing when you're doing pain and punishment and look at a new way of doing you know, prosperity consciousness and then become the divine parent to that little kid inside of you. Be, I call it the woman leader of love. That's my community. You know, as women leaders of love is be, be the divine mother to that little kid inside of you. And then as you treat that child as if they are worthy of being seen, heard, and valued, and you take action, you send an energetic message that says, I am worthy of being seen, heard, and valued, and nurtured, and loved. And then that's what shows up. So that's where I would begin. Well, for our listeners that are listening, for some of you, this might be very familiar in terms of the concepts and the terminology. For some others listening, this might be quite new, even the concept of inner child or the terminology, prosperity, consciousness. So we would love to know what's resonating for you. We would love to know what's coming up. You can send us a text 2057, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Because this is a huge topic. And imagine living in a world, a society, where people's worthiness quotient, to use your languaging, was through the roof. And they mm-hmm. didn't feel the need to point the finger or to try to drag anyone down. And specifically in New Zealand, you know, we have this concept. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called tall poppy syndrome. What is that? <laughs> you guys should have seen her face. She's like, what? Tall poppy syndrome. <laughs> you know, it's like if someone dares to to say something that they've achieved or to stand up, you know, be proud of themselves. People are, some people, quite a lot of people are, um, well, who are you? Who are you to think you're so great? Oh, well, who do you think you are? It's that. Um, and so you alluded to it when you talked about women can be quite, um, uh, what's the word? Competitive. Thank you to each other. It's it's that, but different. It's not a, it's not so much a woman thing. It's just a, it's a yeah. If anyone dares to to be proud and and put, stick their head up, you know, like a tall poppy would be the one that grows higher, and then people want to cut it down. Yeah. That's the concept. Um, I would like to. I would love to think that if we in ourselves felt more worthy, and and grounded in who we are, we don't feel the need to to drag anyone else down. And for myself, I've been in business 11 years now with women entrepreneurs. I've never really experienced that cattiness or that 
competitiveness until the last two, three years with COVID, but it didn't come from the women entrepreneurs. It came from the local moms. And for me, daring to speak my truth or to question some of the things we're being told to think and do. Um, so it was a little bit different than the traditional tall poppy, but it certainly is very powerful. Hey, I know you've got a quiz. So if people are sitting here going, how do I know what my worthiness quotient is? I know you've got a quiz. Can you direct us? How do people find that so they can do that quiz? Sure. It's just terrybrit.com forward slash quiz. It's really easy. T-E-R-R-I-B-R-I-T-T.com forward slash quiz. And it what's so cool about the quiz is going to take about three to five minutes because I really want you to get connected to your feelings. And you're going to be taken through a series of questions. At the end, you're going to get a personalized report. And it's going to show you eight different sections of your life and what the numbers are, where your worthiness quotient is. And it's going to give you an overall number, which is so cool because I've had people take it and then really start focusing on raising their worthiness Mm -hmm. quotient. And six months later, take it again and reach out to me going, oh my gosh, Terry, I'm so proud. My numbers have gone up. I'm so happy, you know, because they know they're seeing the miracles show up in their life. And, um, but they actually have something solid that they can look at and say, wow, this is, you know, this is really telling me where I am and where I need to put my focus on loving myself more. I think that's amazing. So would you give the tip of, um, so did you say it only takes five minutes? Okay. So just make sure I imagine, just make sure you're not taking it when you've just had a big fight or you're, you've just been crying your eyes out. (laughs) You know, make sure you're in a kind of normal-ish, neutral-ish mood and then take the quiz. Is that good advice? (laughs) Well, you know, it's what's interesting. You can take it really in reality whenever you want, because those feelings, because I'm going to ask you in the beginning to connect to your feelings because your feelings are your soul guiding you Mm -hmm. and they're your biggest guidepost. Right. And so if you are having a lot of negative feelings, you might want to put that on there and be totally honest. So you can say, wow, there is really something here to focus on. You're going to get a real solid answer saying there's lack here. There's unworthiness here. Let's put some focus here. And in that personalized report, I'm going to give you some tips and tools on how to get started. That is so good. I think the people love that. Okay. So that's terrybrit.com slash quiz. Quiz. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I wanted to ask you um, about the pulse of things in America. So I've got a Canadian accent, but trust me, I'm in New Zealand. And um, But how are things in America? What would you say that people are, you know, what's the vibe right now? Are people feeling positive? I know you're probably feeling positive yourself, but what are, what are the things that are coming up for you guys? Well, I think COVID brought up a lot. We, you know, we had the uh, Black Lives Matters. We had uh, the Me Too movement. I mean, we've had so much stuff happening over the last four or five years. There is a great divide right now. You've had trains derailing. You've had food processing plants going on fire, all the things. And I'm just watching the people, okay? I mean, because to me, all of it is just a mirror to what's going on. It's like years ago when 911 happened and the twin towers were attacked. Of course, I've at first I was angry and then I started meditating on it and I got a message that this is how we treat ourselves. We treat each other, power struggles. And so anyway, I came to terms with it. Well, the next year I was in New York City one year later and I'm talking to this woman. I'm just sitting on the bench in Central Park talking to a woman. 
And she, uh, she says, it's so different than what it was the day after 911. I said, why? And she goes, I don't understand. I've got a picture on my refrigerator still to this day. She says, I'm everybody see all the ponds and everybody now is milling, are milling around. She said, but then they were staring into the pond and I don't know why she goes, I've got a picture of it. And I said, why well, can tell you exactly why? And of course she was shocked. And I said, we were being asked to look at the mirror. What was going on in our outer world was showing us our inner world, the power struggles we have within of battling against each other. I mean, that's what it was showing us. Well, that day she took my card that day. She sent me a message and she said, oh my gosh, I came home and looked at this picture and you were exactly right because she said, we actually came together as a, as a state or as a city to, Mm. to help each other. But even it had kind of slid back to where it's you against me, right? So I look at all of the stuff that's going on as it's an awakening. We're waking up. And to wake up, we have to see the dark and see what needs to be healed. That's the way I look at it. But let me tell you, I had my moments during the pandemic, during all the elections, where if I'd had my shoe in my hand, I probably would have thrown it at the TV a couple of times when I heard things, taking away women's rights and some of the stuff that was going on would just send me over the edge Mm -hmm. because it was like, you have no right to take away my rights. You know, so um, there is that. You have very extremes. You have the very religious. I have a strong faith. I'm not religious, but you have the very religious right that believes their way is the right way and everyone else should conform to their way. So we're seeing all of this come bubbling to the surface. And, you know, my hope is that through my work, your work, those of us who are bringing attention to this, that we can say, okay, what's the gift in it? If I'm reacting to this in any way, what do I need to heal within myself. And one of the things that I really recognized during the pandemic is how it brought up everybody's survival instincts, that it was you against me because people were in sheer survival. Like my mother and I have very different political views and we would kind of get at each other's throats at times during it. Cause I mean, I was working through my stuff too, right? We all were. Well, it hit me one day, I'm having a moment of survival because I care about the planet and she's more worried about her social security, right? So she's in survival. Mm -hmm. So very different political views, but they were both triggering our need to survive. And so as soon as I recognized that it was like, Oh, I can let that go because I'm not in a survival mindset. It was just like, Oh, okay. I realize what's happening here. But I had to look at everyone else who was in survival and understand their process and what they were going through. I love your perspective on that in terms of you're able to look at, not get caught up in the details of, because there's so many, did you hear about this? And did you hear about that? And incidences and ideas and concepts, but it's like, yeah, we're, we're being shown to look at, look at ourselves and to see the light. You do need to look at the dark. So I love the, I love that perspective on it. And of course, coming back to oneself looking at the dark within and then hopefully being able to shine bright like a light. Like when you, when I first asked you the very first question, how have the last three years been for you? Your answer was just so positive and uplifting, but fully it's coming from a place of um, you've journeyed through <laughs> to get to that place. Yeah. yeah. It's not naivety. For me. It's, no, it's groundedness. It, it is groundedness. And mm. what's so interesting is that 
I look at the darkness. I didn't used to. I used to feel like a victim. I mean, I've been molested. I've had all kinds of crap happen. But I look at all of it now as a gift for me go to go deeper into self-love and to moving into alignment with what I call God, that all-loving presence, okay? And so for me, even those bad things that happened, like with my mom and I being at odds then, I would immediately go into gratitude and say, thank you for the gift, because I know that none of this is happening by chance. I know that I'm being guided to go within. And that's why I can say the last three years have been amazing, because they have been, because the growth, the expansion, the joy that's been on the other side is I've recognized, oh, I'm in survival right now, but that's not who I am. That's poverty consciousness. I can choose differently and then rise above it and see other people still in it and love them through their process. Just knowing that as I love myself and stay in this high vibration, maybe Maybe a few people will look at me and say, I want to know what she's doing because I want that in my life. And so that's my mission as a woman leader of love is to be the example so that other people might want that for themselves. And I think you do that well. Definitely. I've been in the place of wanting to convince others, of course, and open their eyes. But I think... um, be coming from a place of love and gratitude. Like you said, you know, and I wrote down here, replacing the low vibration energies of shame and guilt with higher vibe, like love and gratitude. All right. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go to the four questions that I ask every guest. Number one is um, upping your brave. And and you've, you've detailed a few things you've done in the last while, but in the last year, what is one thing that you've done that you consider to be truly upping your brave? I did a TEDx. Are you familiar with TEDx? Of course we are. Yes. Yeah. So it had been in my heart to do one, but I um, I felt like I, you know, I mean, I've been speaking for a while, but to pull it together, to put everything that I was feeling in eight minutes, they didn't even give me 15. They gave me eight. And um, to do this TEDx, it's called Unconditional Self-Love, A New Family Paradigm, to really be a voice on a new way of being on our planet was huge for me. And and what was really huge was having to do it in that eight minutes because I usually have bullet points and then I just talk and let spirit guide me. But they wanted it to the to the second. They wanted it word by word. And so that was a challenge, but it was such an amazing experience. So yes, I upped my game with that. And you have to stay on that little red carpet circle. That's not a problem. That's not a problem for me. I mean, I've worked in television and stuff. That is not the problem. It was just this timing and getting it all and everything I wanted to say. So yeah, that was interesting. That's amazing. We would love to put the the replay, the link to that up. In fact, so this audio, if you're listening now and you want to share it with a friend, um, it ends up where all our replays do on the website. But Terry, please remind me and I'll also put the link to your TED Talk. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Amazing. All right. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience that the Reality Check Radio community can possibly help you with? Well, I don't know if you can help me writing a number one New York Times bestseller, but that <laughs> is on my bucket list. And that is, that's what's percolating right now is this next book. And the reason to be the a number one New York Times bestseller, it's not about for me because I had to really look at this. It's like, am I looking this for the notoriety or am I looking, is there a different reason? And there was some shifting in consciousness. It was like, 
if you're a number one New York Times bestselling writer, it means people are reading the message. Yeah. People are getting the seeds planted. So <laughs> right now you can just send some good vibes to me <laughs> to help me write the book. And uh, and then of course, you know, follow me on social media, go to our, my website. You know, I've got a some e- a free book ebook called uh, Women Leaders of Love. If you want to get that with some guided meditations at terrybrit.com forward slash leaders, go grab that, support it, go support my my um my TED talk. That would be great. Like it and share. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that does make a difference. Um, and that you just wove so nicely into my next question, which is what is coming up and how can we connect with you? So you just mentioned your website. Are you on YouTube? Are you on Instagram? I am. Those are not my biggest platforms. My uh, my biggest one is Facebook because I have a private community. Perfect. Okay. That uh, is in that. And um, what's wonderful about that is I do a live broadcast every Wednesday called Own Your Worth Wednesdays. And people come on and we do live coaching and healing. It's so much fun. Lots of shifting and changing. So it's just Women Leaders of Love or at Women Leaders of Love on Facebook. You can watch it on YouTube. I have not been good about nurturing my YouTube channel. There's, It's pretty much dead. I do post things there, but it's not much. And I've had people say, would you please start posting more stuff on YouTube? I'm like, okay. But I have this thing about balance, you know, like mm-hmm. I really yes. like my life. And so I just kind of right now, I'm just going, okay, let me just feel where it needs to go. And well, the Facebook group is great because it's somewhere people can go and they can get inspiration weekly. Did you say on Wednesday, women leaders, women, women leaders of love, women, women leaders of love, W-O-M-E-N, women leaders of love. Yes. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> laughing because it's the, it'll be the accent like mom and mom. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> we say mum, M-U-M. Yeah. Exactly. And you say, yeah, Um, amazing. Okay. And what is coming up for you in the next six months, either in business or your personal life as much as you'd like to say? Oh my goodness. So another thing that I just did was with um, women gone wild is a new book uh, series. That's like chicken soup for the soul and women's empowerment. I love that. The wild is an acronym for wealth, intuition, leadership, and diversity. So we just launched the first book, which was on wealth. And it's not not necessarily about money. It's about a new definition of wealth. Um, I am in the second book in intuition, but in the first book, we did um, a big red carpet and I was the one on camera interviewing everyone. And then I actually spoke and did an invitation for women leaders of love. That was really, really powerful. Well, we have the second book will be coming out this year, but I have a lot of stuff going on. I have a feature coming out in Women's Day magazine, um, just all kinds of stuff going on, you know, publicity wise, which is great. Um, and then, of course, the next thing, as I said, is I'm being guided to write my book. So if you know a good literary agent, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> send them my way or a great publisher. That would be amazing. Okay, well, we'll put it out there and we'll see what happens. Before we wrap things up, Terry, is there anything else you'd love to add on the topic of the worthiness quotient or just anything else you want to share with us today? Sure. Your greatest act of service is when you raise your worthiness quotient, when you own your worth, when you claim your crown, when you take back the authority of your life and put yourself in that high vibration and become the, what did you say? The taller than poppy? What was that thing? With the tall poppy syndrome, we call it. (laughs) The tall poppy syndrome, but it's not a syndrome. It's actually being willing to break conformity. 
It's being willing to shine and to be an expression of love because when you are that, you are expressing love. So I want to invite you to get rid of that belief and that fear and instead say, yeah, I am going to be that tall poppy. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to do it differently because maybe just maybe then we can all become tall poppies together. Let's do it. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Thank you so much. You've been listening, everybody, to Terry Britt here on Reality Check Radio. Thanks, Terry. Thank you so much. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.